Welcome to another episode of the Young Parents Podcast presented to you by James Inc. Today we have a very special guest talking about the LGBTQ issues that also intersect with the issues that affect young and adolescent parents. And in a different thing than podcasts normally have, I'm actually going to have our guest, T, introduce the topic. In this episode, I talked about relating to the gender binary of man or woman in our society and how I relate to it or don't relate to it. I speak only for myself and my lived experience. Everyone's gender is individual and their own journey. And oftentimes we view concepts like pronouns, the gender binary, and how we relate to it as belonging exclusively to the LGBT community. I'm here to tell you that these concepts are universal in our human experience. Living within the gender binary can be validating for both trans and cis people. Likewise, living outside of the gender binary can also be validating for both trans and cis people. Using correct pronouns affirm trans and cis folks and send the validating message that you believe individuals to be the experts of their own lived experience. It's a baseline for respect. Thank you again, and I hope you enjoy the episode. We are very excited to have Tammy Hilbert, the Youth Leadership Council Coordinator for Amplify Tulsa, on the podcast today. Hello. Hi. Hi, everyone. Good to be here. Happy to share some facts. Yeah. Talk about Amplify. I'm happy none of us are on the roads right now. For whenever this episode comes out, Tulsa has frozen over and Tulsa drivers are not good to begin with. So I can only imagine we're happy. Nor are the trains. Nor are the trains Mm. here. So first, before we talk about your work and your title, let's talk about what you call yourself and why. As I noticed as I was trying to look you up today on Amplified Tulsa's website, your name there was not the name attached to the <laughs> email I had. So c- can you explain to us some about like your your journey and your name journey? Yes, absolutely. I have a lot of names that I go by now, but legally I am Thomas Hilbert. But as I have grown in- into my identity, explored my identity as a Mexican non-binary person, I found that there are different names that fit for different situations, different contexts, different parts of myself. I decided to embrace all of those. It's confusing. It keeps the creditors at bay as well. Just put a different name in there. But yeah, I go by Thomas. I go by Tomas in Spanish. And then my friends, especially my friends in the LGBT community, call me Tammy. And a lot of my friends call me Tammy. So feel free to call me Tammy as well. We're all friends here. And then I also use T in, in general as a as like an icebreaker like when I want to when I get a feel for the room if you will that's a little brief explanation but yeah you might hear a lot of different names for me in this episode they're all me <laughs> if it starts with the t it's probably me <laughs> it's it's a good letter it's a good letter for names there, I love there, there are a lot of t names so. your parents picked a good one yeah they yeah. didn't too much <laughs> I guess let's talk a little bit about your work at Amplify Telsa. James Inc deals with and helps Adolescent and teen families. Yes, thank you. And I, from just briefly knowing about what Amplify Tulsa does, I imagine that in the Venn diagram of the two organizations, there mm-hmm. is a lot of crossover. Can you share with us a little bit about how your work would tie into what James Inc. does? 
Absolutely. Along with the LGBT inclusive component, Amplify works to include a more comprehensive look at sex ed in our communities, especially with our school systems. And like individual education is really important. So we want to be able to provide this information to a lot of different communities, a lot of different situations and lived experiences. And so Amplify was formerly known as the Campaign to End Teen Pregnancy, and they had a major rebrand a couple of years ago. Ago because they found that name is really unapproachable to teen parents because it sends a sort of message that unintentionally that like we're trying to end teen pregnancy and therefore are like judging the decisions or lives that these teenagers have had. Some teenagers do want to have family. So I think the ultimate thing that the rebrand touched on is what we really want to do, which is provide information so that people can make the best decisions with their bodies. And without that sense of shame, because all of our lives are different, all of our experiences are different. I definitely, researching James Inc. and listening to the podcast, saw that connection as well, because some of our students are the same. That And both are, and if they could utilize both services, that would be awesome. And that's the Tulsa that I'm advocating for, and I know y'all are too. I used to work in the nonprofit field, and one of the things I noticed is there would usually be a couple nonprofits around the same topic. And especially when it comes to like teen pregnancy in the state of Oklahoma, we have a, I would say, a plethora of organizations dealing with this issue from different angles. So we have James Inc., we have Amplify Telsa, we have the Take Control Initiative, we have Stronger Tomorrows. There's probably two other ones I, I, I'm not These mentioning. services at Tulsa, Divis. <laughs> Which leads me to my question is, say you're a teen going through this at sort of any sort of stage, how is it that person would find out or interact with any of those organizations? That's a good question. I think a lot of the benefit of having so many organizations in Tulsa is that there are a lot of opportunities to get in contact with one that may get you in contact with the other. YST works with the schools and amplifies a collective action, a collective impact group. So we we help and we help amplify literally amplify the other other organizations' reaches in the community. We work together as a coalition and do our best to try to try to get. Uh, the right resources for for the people that need them. It's not a competition. It's definitely all about working together and making sure that that we got whoever needs help. What makes Amplify different than all the other organizations? And they're if they have the same target audience. So, oh, something that Amplify likes to do and and is and does for the the com- the community and these organizations is that they uh, provide the curriculum a lot of times and do that kind of background work, provide trainings and workshops that can help these organizations feel more comfortable in their role. I know that this uh, past year, with everything that's been going on, Amplify and a lot of these organizations in sexual health had to had to really take a second and pivot and figure out a virtual plan because even though the world has slowed down a little bit, a lot of these issues are still going at the same rate that they've always been. And the, the sure. need for care, the need for resources, uh, the need for information, we had to find a way to present that to youth, present that to young adults through this new digital landscape. And it was really basically taking a sex ed curriculum that, that sex ed educate sex educators would come into and present to a class on a weekly, one class a week for like eight weeks. We've had to pivot that and turn that into a, a Zoom session that is still as impactful and still has opportunities for youth to connect into. So there's some stuff that they can do outside of the classroom. There's things like that. 
outside of the virtual classroom, of course, because we're meeting uh, virtually. But there's things that we are planning and things that we're implementing that that are specific to this year. And then next year, when next year comes along, there's going to be another another sort of things that we'll have to be considering, whether it's the pandemic or just another issue that young Tolson's face. And so as we were talking about you and your names, you know, like in every issue and problem, a group that sort of gets not left behind necessarily, but doesn't the attention isn't necessarily on is LGBTQ plus people in this in this time, in this universe, in these sets of issues. So can you sort of just give us sort of a I don't know, maybe a brief primer on how those the issues for that group might be different from the other group? It is a different experience and Truly, I think where we can connect on is that everyone has an individual experience with their body, with how they feel about their own identity, that is, isn't up for debate. And so I think the problems that a lot of LGBT students and young parents, LGBT people in general in our community face is that people want to sometimes put it up for debate and say that you're not the expert in your own lived experience. And I know that there's also a confusion with the information presented because like sex ed, comprehensive sex ed, there's not a lot of comprehensive LGBT education that goes on for young people. And so we have a lot of adults that have maybe like a small grasp of what the LGBT community is if they're not personally identifying with it. And so there can be confusion over pronouns. There can be confusion over what gender identity is versus sexual orientation, what, what your genitals mean in relation to what you feel like your, you, your gender is and all sorts of things that like, as an LGBT person, you have to do that soul searching when you're trying to figure out what's not meshing with how society is telling you to be. I think that it comes down to a lot of just, um, maybe just ignorance. And I don't mean to put a value on that because I think a lot of times you don't know what you don't know. I think the problem comes when it becomes a debate about someone's lived experience, about why you chose to be that way and stuff like that. But the more information I can share, I found that has been when I have the patience to share it, because sometimes sometimes you, you have to pick your battles. But the information I've been able to share, the conversations I've been able to have been for the most part, productive and has opened that bridge to understanding that everybody lives their own lives individually. And as long as they're not harming others, you should be cool with it. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned pronouns because one of my questions was, how does anybody who doesn't know what pronouns to you, what would you say to those who are unfamiliar with it? What should they do or what can they do? So you don't know what you don't know. So so the concept of pronouns and it's an individual thing. So like how you choose to identify yourself in the third person. And a lot, if you are someone who identifies as cisgender or the same, same, if you feel like you are the same gender as what your uh, assigned birth at sex is, you would identify as cisgender. And so a lot of cisgender people feel like the pronouns that is associated with their birth sex is works for them. So if they were born with a penis and they might feel that he works for them. However, there are other people in the LGBT community that like to use pronouns that fit them better and aren't tied to their sex. The idea of biological sex being chromosomes and all of that sort of thing, that's been something like the 1900s, but we've been using pronouns for like 
centuries. And so it refers more to the social view of gender than the biological. And I know that there's a confusion there sometimes because we want to associate he with penises and people with penises. And and it, it's not like that because it's sex and then there's gender. There's two different things. I think with pronouns, it's a new kind of concept to introduce into conversations. And because it's so individual, we can't look at anyone around us and assume that they're using the same pronouns as what we assume that they would be using. What what has been put forward as a gesture of respect and also inclusiveness has been to have a pronoun conversation when it's appropriate. So if you're in a group of people, you're starting class or something like that, you could say, hi, we're going to introduce ourselves, name, school, pronouns. And just add it in, not, you don't have to make it a big issue, but just knowing that like pronouns are something that you are open to discussing and hearing and validating sends a really positive message to LGBT youth, whether or not they're out or in the closet. The last couple of years has been, I feel like, an explosion of pronoun knowledge and pronoun sharing so that people don't have to feel confused. And as a, what's funny is now I forget what terms to call myself. Not like pronoun wise, but is in like descriptors of my gender and sexuality. But that's a problem for me. Is it safe? Is it safe for someone, if they're not sure of someone's pronoun, to use the they, them as a safety one? Because I know for, let's say for the people in Tulsa who might disagree with us on a multitude of mm-hmm. issues, when they're trying, we don't want to shame them. We don't want to make them feel bad for trying to be more inclusive. So what is, building off the last question, what is the safe thing to do or Is there no safe thing because everyone feels differently about this? I think that's the hard truth there is that it's very individual. So I think that for me, for example, I use a lot of pronouns. And if someone were to use a pronoun that I wasn't specifically vibing with, it would be less of an issue for me personally. But I'm a non-binary person. And and so my experience is different than, say, a trans person who wants to fit into who wants to pass as the gender that they identify as. And passing isn't important to all transgender people. I want to make that known. And you being trans comes from here, your brain, before it comes with any outward transition. But I'm just trying to imagine a situation, and it happens often, where someone well-meaning uses the they-them pronoun for someone who is newly trans. And that could be more of a negative impact than than the intention of trying to be inclusive. So I think it, it does come down to normalizing introductions and finding a way to validate people. I think also sometimes you can just take take in each individual experience and get to gender when you get there. I know a lot of times we want to rush these conversations because our brains are asking a lot of questions because gender is such a spectrum. It's such a variety and we're learning more and more terms and more science every day. I think part of your bonding with people can be these sort of sort of discussions about gender and what you don't understand as well, because I, I would say that like, any sort of mistake you make with pronouns is a is part of the process. And I, I can tell you personally that if I like someone, I will correct my pronouns for them because I'm giving them another shot to validate and respect me. But if I have the feeling that they're on the other side or they don't want to give me that respect of who I am and how I identify as an individual, I might just brush it off. So don't be afraid to make mistakes because if you're, if people can pick up on what the intent is and 
if your intent is good and you do truly want to learn more, then it, it won't be a big attack on your ego if you make a mistake. And it also doesn't need to be that big of a deal when the pronouns get mixed up. I have people are transitioning all the time. People are trying out different pronouns all the time. And it is like setting a boundary or respecting a boundary for people. So you don't know what you don't know. So if your friend hasn't told you their pronouns yet and you make a mistake, they can correct you and it's no big deal. But I think it is definitely person by person. And so it, it will take some getting used to, but I think it's worth it just for the idea of everyone feeling just a little bit more comfortable with these concepts that are rabbit holes of just, you can dive in. And <laughs> yeah. Can you tell our audience what percentage of Oklahoma adolescents identify as LGBTQ? I don't have an exact number, but I want to say at least 10%. And I know that from when I was going to school, I, I graduated 2011. The per the percentage of out students was a lot less. Where nowadays, a lot more youth are are accustomed to knowing someone that uses they them pronouns, or has a same sex partner, or is identifying as LGBT. Which just shows that as we discuss these things more and more, that people, especially young people, are feeling more comfortable with embracing these pronouns and embracing these identities or trying them out as they go through adolescence because they're not as stigmatized. Can you explain what gender binary is and wh or what it means? For a long time, we viewed gender in two two boxes, right? At least, at least in the United States with Western culture, because like I said, gender is a rabbit hole. So if you go somewhere else around the world, there's a possibility that there's three, maybe five genders for things that we only put in two boxes, right? So our two boxes are male and female, and our society has told us that people that are born with a penis are are assigned male and that they grow up to become males and then people who are born with vaginas grow up to become females and so this is the gender binary right so the how we how we socialize these bodies based on based on these ideas we have from their bodies what toys we let them play with, what sort of programs they watch, all of these sort of things. And a lot of times that can be affirming for people who are cisgender, like they, if they, if there's not an issue, but there's also, they're literal boxes. I just remember like I had the race car, the race car toys and stuff. And my sisters had the dolls, but as a non-binary person, I was like, I want to play race cars with the dolls. Like it was just one of these things where it felt like I had to pick one or the other, like it was a binary. And for a long time, that's how we have viewed gender and sex and orientation. And what's, what's changing now is that we're realizing that it's not so, it's not so one or the other. It can be a spectrum. It can be a little bit of both. It can be neither. It can be one or the other. I think the pro, the term is called gender expansiveness. I think we're just realizing that everyone's individual experience with gender and how society views gender and how society views bodies is limited when we view it in two boxes. And that's what the gender binary is. And finding your place in that can be tough. And so being able to take it out of the binary sometimes and really focus on what 
works for you is what has been healing for a lot of LGBT people, including myself. And the reality is we have to have those spaces because a lot of the way the world works now is still caught up in that binary. So it's getting better, but there are some things that we still have to keep in mind when it comes to the binary, especially for our, our trans brothers and sisters who are, who are wanting uh, a lot of times to to match their lived experience of what's going on with their gender identity. What I talked about earlier, like giving people the respect and respecting the identity that they choose to have for themselves. Thank you for that, T. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, So I'm thinking I'm much older than both of you. And I did not know a lot of people who either weren't, they were not publicly dealing with this. Internally, I have no idea. I knew a couple of gay students in high school, but that was also a, pretty guarded secret of theirs i'm wondering over the past what year are we in 2021 like in the last over the last 20 years or so has the opening up of the world via the internet and social media and the interconnectivity of cell phones made this an easier process for these people or just made it more open and public a little bit of both i would say because it it does seem like the internet is is a mixed bag. You get a variety of resources, but sometimes those resources can be actually not as informational or you can stumble, especially with a lot of these issues of, of body positivity for LGBT folks. Uh, a lot of people want to put their opinions in sometimes and it can be negative. It can be an attack. And I think that with, with the community having to deal with finding the right information, from non-traditional places. If their school's not teaching them about LGBT, same-sex attraction, and they're only hearing it from their relatives who may not have a positive view of that for whatever reason, it presents itself as a conflict. But I do know there is a definite benefit for youth to be able to see themselves represented on the internet, on on TV, in movies, on Netflix, all sorts of different places that they were not shown before. So I remember growing up where the only time I would see an LGBT person, and it was mainly a white gay male, was like a Hallmark movie or a rom-com. And like, you never got into their lives. You never got to see their attractions, their fears, their hopes. It was generally to aid a default character, a main character whose lives we understand better as a society. And I think I, I have hope that as as these youth embrace their identities more, we get more and more representation because like you said, there, there were probably a lot of people in your high school that had some sort of questioning about their gender or their sexuality that never really discussed it in high school, at least that they may even still be questioning now. I know that like we like to support our our out of the closet loud and proud LGBT family, but we also have those who are still figuring things out. And that's why things like pronouns can be really helpful because or different names. If your friend wants to go by a different name, it might be something that could be just they like the name better or it could be something that they're they're trying out different things um, that make them feel more comfortable in their own skin. And whether they ultimately choose to transition or not is is not an issue. It's, it's just more about respecting people and the time that you have with them. As a parent, and parenting just alone is extremely 
a difficult. Tell us what you've learned regarding the LGBT parenting community, if at all. Absolutely. So like I, I came from a place of ignorance with this. So the concept LGBT parent, I only had pictured in the context of like adoption, but the LGBT community is, or I should say communities, is expansive. It, it contains so many different people and different different identities, different bodies that are coming together in different sorts of relationships and family structures. And when I, it opened my mind to realize that a lot of these issues do overlap because we have LGBT community members that are figuring out their sexuality and that can involve them having heterosexual sex. We have LGBT bisexual teens who are, who are trying out heterosexual sex to, to, get their bullies to stop bullying them, things like that. There's all sorts of situations where younger people are having sex to figure out their identity and what works for them. So there was a Minnesota study that they did that found that LGBT students were more likely to become pregnant or get someone pregnant than their heterosexual peers. And so they said a a lot of those risk factors were mental health issues, the potential for homelessness, drug and alcohol use, and then also bullying, stress, negative self-image, society pressures. And from that information, they found that bisexual females were five times more likely to become pregnant than their straight peers. And this one was surprising to me because I identified as a gay male for a long time. Gay males were four times more likely to report getting someone pregnant. It's It can come from a lot of reasons. I think whenever you go to a sex ed class and nobody's talking about LGBT issues or the fact that you as a person... Um, with a body can get someone pregnant or become pregnant, it's it kind of goes to the wayside sometimes. That's an area where we as adults have dropped the ball for youth in that sense, because we're basically telling them that their sex is consequence free by not telling them anything about the sex that they, they will be having if they choose to have sex. And then when the messages about ho- homosexual sex or same-sex relationships are negative from their from whatever communities they live in or whoever they're around, they may go on and do risky behaviors, have sex, whether it's heterosexual or homosexual, without protection or without any sort of knowledge to make a really informed decision about what's good for their body, their self-esteem, and, and their path. Yeah. So Oklahoma has been failing people in sex education, at least my entire life. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like it does double damage to members of the LGBTQ community because they're being told if they're being told anything, they're being told lies and hurtful ones. And they're all, they're also told, don't worry about it, just don't do it as they're figuring out who they are. And the only way sometimes to do that is to explore the world as it, as it were. So, yeah. uh, so Oklahoma, as per usual, get together. But if Oklahoma did have it all together, what would all of these amazing nonprofits do? Just keep it going. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, Make sure it doesn't slip back, for sure. That's certainly true. As every fantasy novel says, you can't defeat evil. It's just a constant fight against it. So, <laughs> Yeah, and we're trying to get in there in the legislation, get a health education mandate that is more inclusive. We're fighting for that because that's something that Oklahoma needs right now. We're one of the few states that don't have a mandate like that for our young people. And like you said, if they're not learning it from their traditional spaces, they're going to go and ask for advice from other people, the internet, and other 
other things that may not give them the full picture that they need. So I'm on board with you there about an Oklahoma that that backs its young people and gives them the information and resources for parenting and also just being an LGBT youth and that crossover that happens. Being a youth in general is <laughs> terrible. So it's like yeah. if anyone can try to remember what it was like, especially like in late middle school, early high school, like it's terrible. Ugh. It's terrible for <laughs> everybody, <worst> right? <laughs> uh, yes. And it's it's doubly worse for members of the LGBTQ community. For our audience, and I imagine like when, when it comes to podcasts, most of our audience is probably people who agree with us, but in case there isn't, be like be nice and be considerate and try to remember what it was like for you at that age. And so that's my little soapbox thing for today. Yes, for sure. And celebrate the victories with us because there are victories that are happening. Another little study I found that was really, really warmed my heart a bit was that since the legalization of gay marriage, there's been a drop in suicide rates among LGBT youth. And they found that. that like the study they said was with 26,000 youths in 32 states. And so after the after 2015, which is when this decision happened, that the rate among students fell 7% all around. And then with LGBT students fell 14%. And there's higher rates of, of, of mental health issues and suicide. And so it's really hard warming and, and validating to the work that we do as community organizers and advocates to see that these things have an impact, they're a positive impact, that when we take the shame away from, from things that were not normalized before, like same-sex marriage or understanding that some teens are going to be parents and that, that we should celebrate them and support them, the problems get addressed because you're dealing holistically with people at, as people, and you're recognizing their individual story, and you're validating them with these legislations and these community projects and any sort of act of allyship, because it happens all the time. Like literally correcting someone's pronouns for someone or or being that smiling friend, that, that pillar of trust, it goes a long way. I, I know it does for me as an LGBT person, and I'm not a parent, but I would love to be that pillar of support that smiling face for for any parent that needs support and as communities that are marginalized like we've got to stick together and also realize that our fights are very similar and that they come down to the same thing which is just respect resources and validation for everybody's individual experience in the tulsa area being a young african-american uh, young parent i know like in tulsa too because we're a racial yeah. just thank you now red uh, <laughs> To, not to get political, but a red state quote. Yeah. But I, I, I hear, I know where you're coming yeah, from. There's a whole history of just, of just like in, in Tulsa in particular, there's just been a whole history of, I think, just a lot of information not being given out to the people, whether it comes to their racial identities, the racial history of our town, because that's something that's also not being discussed in our schools. And that has a holistic impact on on our students, our young parents, our LGBT folks, to see if this is how you are going to reckon with your history with this community. What future, you're darn right I'm going to fight for a future where that doesn't happen again. Where we're here in the fight and we're getting that information out to Tolson's to know truly how important their experience is. And I want to just shout out Black Futures Month and Black History Month, especially to my my, my Tolson 
citizens, right? Learn the Black history of Tulsa. Learn, learn, learn about the projects that are these community organizations that are fighting for the futures of our Black youth. Because we want to focus on the history, and we also want to focus on the future. We we've got two things to celebrate, and also two things to look at critically and see that there are a lot of changes that we can do to holistically make this city a better place for our our Black folks and our LGBT folks and our Black LGBT folks because they exist and they've built up the culture of LGBT culture in America. That's my soapbox, but it's 100% facts. You brought up Black and gay because that to me that they have to take on even uh-huh. more and the reason why i say this is because i i have a little I have my cousin my cousin <laughs> not to no disclaimers but my cousin he he graduated from high school i want to say two three years ago and on his graduation night he came out to the entire family and the first thing his mother said and i quote was you don't you didn't appear to be that right. way and so why do you decide to come out now on graduation day? <laughs> and this is a part that broke me. It's because he said that he had to suffocate himself the entire time in high school and put on a pre- – he was an athlete. He was a football player. He was all that. And he said he felt like he had to be all those things and be silent just to get through high school. And it made me think how bad – I knew high school was bad, but – what is it about these school years that makes it just so difficult for people in the LGBT community to feel like they have to suffocate themselves? And is there any advice that you could have gave if you were talking to somebody like my cousin or even our listeners? What advice can you give them to get through high school or just anything at all? It feels like such a pressure cooker, I think, is the the high school experience. And then I think because a lot of our systems, especially our educational systems, don't acknowledge the individual stories of our youth, whether it's their LGBT identities, their racial identities, their disabilities, any sort of thing. That story touches my heart because I came out after graduation because I didn't feel comfortable in my school space, in my school system. And I had similar uh, a similar reaction, not as much because I'm a little bit more dainty, if you would say. I was in theater and all of that. But it was one of those things that like a lot of people knew before I did and those who didn't were still surprised but it goes to show that I think if I could talk to myself or anybody in that situation it would be that like all these messages you're getting that are put about your race your body your weight your LGBT identity or what you think you are like all of those are not as important as what you individually identify as at the end of the day and what you choose to do with your life. And so I know it's not just a hell for LGBT students, but it is, I think, a place where a lot of our identities get get put up for debate. I know something else that happened to me is that I, I felt really nervous around identifying as a, a Mexican-American. Like, I'm half white, I'm half Latino, but like, I was getting a lot of people were saying a lot of things about me and a lot about what my race was like that like, And in that age when you're so young and you realize that you aren't this anomaly, like you try to fit in a lot of ways. And so I tried to not fit into the gay stereotypes, the Mexican stereotypes or the fat stereotypes, any of that. But the thing is, as people, like we we fit in boxes and we don't fit in boxes. And so I think the problem is the boxes. If I could tell to any of your listeners right now, 
that like it does get better that high school high school ends and that if your high school is too much to handle right now there are individual education plans there are other ways to get you what you need because the high school experience it should be about enriching your mind and your soul and making you feel ready to go out into the world not afraid to oh thank you for that yeah. tea that means that means so much especially cuz it's personal for me so thank yeah. you you're welcome <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. This was very informative and I, I appreciate your sort of openness and honesty and making hope both Brianna and I, and hopefully our listeners just more comfortable with the sometimes uncomfortable way we interact with people and the things we have to learn. I just want to say thank you again. And thank you for uh, taking time out of your, I imagine very busy day to talk to us. Oh, thank y'all. I really appreciate having the time to talk to your listeners, learn more about James Inc. And yeah, feel free to throw out the script, throw out the boxes and just look at people individually. And I'm really excited to see the next future episodes. I caught the FERPA one. And yeah, next month, you got another listener, another subscriber. Yes. <laughs> we love it. We love it. Always here to support people doing awesome things in Tulsa for the community. So thank y'all so much. Thank you all for listening to our episode with T on the Young Parents podcast brought to you by James Inc. You can find this podcast anywhere podcasts can be found. And please follow James Inc. on Facebook and Instagram and all of the places you can find things. So enjoy and be safe out there. <laughs>